0: This is the Marriage Bites Podcast, Episode 57, Internal Family Systems and The Natural Man.
1: Welcome back to the Marriage Bites Podcast.
0: Hope you're having a really amazing week.
1: And thanks for being here to listen to us talk about stuff. Yeah. We're not pros, but you know, we do our best.
0: Right. So I just started reading a book called No Bad Part. It's about internal family systems, and I'm not even to chapter two yet, but this book has already had an impact on me personally.
1: We talked about some of it last night, and some of it was really, really pretty deep. We had a pretty good conversation about it. Well, I didn't talk so much last (laughs) night, but you did.
0: So internal family systems is a philosophy developed by Richard Schwartz, and it basically says that. Each one of us is made up of different parts. We have different parts of ourselves. There's like sort of general terms for like categories of parts of ourselves, like the exiles.
1: What are the exiles?
0: The exiles are the parts of ourselves that we wish didn't exist. The parts that we try to avoid or ignore or shame out of existence, which, spoiler alert, that does not work.
1: I think everybody's got parts of themselves that they wish they could get rid of or exile, as you say. Yeah. And I think they want that because of the shame that comes their way.
0: Yeah. Controllers or protector. So there's like different sort of categories and you can call them whatever you want, I guess. So you have basically, I think if you're divided into three, you have the self. The self is like your true self. Exiles are the parts that you try to ignore or avoid. And protectors are the parts that try to come in and protect you when you're in trouble
1: let's talk about the thing that we were talking about last night so
0: last night I read this part it was talking about religious teachings so it's common in religions to believe that people are sinful and carnal devilish by nature and that we have to squeeze out that part of us in order to become spiritual and I don't think that that's the case at all And in my personal growing up years, there was this concept of what they called the natural man, which is like the part of yourself that wants to eat chocolate cake for breakfast every day and wants to um, do nothing but play video games or
1: drink pop, have sex, have sex all the time.
0: Yeah. So the part of you that's like wants to do the quote unquote bad things or like the non spiritual things. And the idea is that you stamp out that part of yourself so that then the spiritual part can like be in charge is that your understanding i don't know if you were taught differently no
1: i was taught the same thing um i think and and i guess from that you have to stamp out all these things is that when you then experience some of those things or you see yourself indulging too much then you think of yourself as oh shoot i'm bad and i'm giving in to the natural man and there ends up being a lot of shame about that.
0: Yes. This is the problem. The shame is the problem. The desires are not a problem. The impulses well, are not. Uh, well,
1: and I think I think we need to talk about that. So we're, we're religious people and we have a religious background. I mean, the podcast isn't necessarily religious. But the thing is, is that we believe that we are here to experience those things. Mm-hmm. We're here to experience good food and be sexual and um, partake in some of the good of this this life and if we stamp all that out then what's the purpose of it I mean we're, we're here for it I know uh, Jennifer from Lyson 5 I know we've talked about her before she talks about how we're sexual beings we have been given that and to stamp that totally out is is not necessarily right now There's boundaries with that.
0: Right. People can use their sexuality to hurt other people. They can. Or themselves. You shouldn't go out
1: and just start having sex with everyone you come in contact with. You know, there's boundaries to it, Mm -hmm. but it's okay to have those feelings.
0: Right. I think the problem comes when you shame the part of yourself that has those desires. Then those desires come out in maladaptive ways. So you'll see, for example, in Utah, I don't have statistics, but in Utah, I think the amount of pornography use among youth, teenage, you know, pre-marriage men. And
1: post-marriage men.
0: So I'm not shaming the use of pornography. That's not the point of this. But to say that this maladaptive behavior comes, I believe, in large part because of the amount of shame that there is around it. Whereas if you just stop shaming it, you see that part of yourself as a good and important part of yourself then you're like okay yeah i have this desire the desire itself isn't a problem the desire itself isn't a sin it's not a sin to want to eat a chocolate cupcake even if it's every day even if it's five of them a day wanting a chocolate cupcake is not a problem it's not a bad thing it doesn't mean that you're bad at diets it doesn't mean that you hate your body
1: we used to talk about chocolate cupcakes. My mind immediately goes to Hostess Ding Dongs. Those things are so delicious. Those things are
0: gross. They're good. They are it's disgusting. Like a, it's like a zinger.
1: Zingers are so
0: I mean, good. I'm not saying I would never, ever eat one, but like I eat one and I'm like, that was not right. as good as I was In- hoping it would be. Instant poll
1: then. Everyone, raise your hand if you like ding dongs. Okay, I'm counting. Nobody. All right. And everyone who loves zing zingers, please raise your hand.
0: Okay, I didn't say anything bad about zingers. Hold on, I'm still counting.
1: Oh, yeah. The majority of people raise their hands. I love zingers and ding-dongs.
0: <laughs> no, they don't.
1: So I I remember from my growing up, um, you know, sitting in church or, or whatever, talking about sexual desire. Um, we were definitely taught boundaries with it, which I think was good. But we were also told that if you even have that desire, that you've committed a huge sin. And... You know, that's shaming. It makes you feel like you've already committed some great sin. And it was shaming. It wasn't helpful at all. And Mm -hmm. then they're like, well, once you're married, then, you you know, go ahead.
0: But by that point, you know nothing about it. You don't know what to do. You feel like this is a bad thing. I shouldn't... You're not even told
1: what healthy sexuality is.
0: And even if you know in your mind, like, yeah, it's okay. All of that past programming that is telling you it's not okay. You're fighting against all of that. You have to fight through all that if you haven't resolved it before your wedding day.
1: Right. And it, it ends up bringing up anxiety and shame and all those things. And I think, you know, we've, we've studied a lot about sexuality, I think, and that's kind of what I know a bit more about is that there's a healthy way to teach it. Mm -hmm. There's a healthy way to teach it with boundaries. I don't, like I say, I don't think you should be out there having sex with everyone that comes around that you're attracted to, but you can teach it a lot more healthy. And I think the, the work that I've, I have seen that, Jennifer finlayson Fife has done. I'll just call her JFF. Yeah, that works. JFF teaches that, look, these are God-given desires and that they're not evil. Yes, you need to learn to live with them. You need to learn to have boundaries with them. But having that desire for it is not a sin. That's what we're told. And when we talk about the natural man in our church, a lot of people go that route. Well, if you desire it, then you're just carnal and you're wicked and you're just lustful. Well... I guess yes and no. You're you're supposed to have those.
0: But lust is not a bad thing. Like we've been told, I've been told my whole life, never lust. Lust is evil. Lust is bad. But now I'm an adult and I'm like, well, it's not bad. I'm learning that it's not a bad thing. But we've been told our whole lives that it's such a bad and evil thing. It's the evil part of you that you need to get rid of. Yeah. But that very idea is what causes all the problems. Right.
1: They've never seen Ross Poldark. They have no idea. (laughs) Oh dark, it's on PBS.
0: So this is the part in the book that really struck me. Okay, so it's like a quote from somebody, and then it was also talked about in a film, so I'm not exactly sure who said this or where it came from, because it's kind of confusing. But it's a quote that says, after my childhood, I needed the kinds of spirituality that would keep me from allowing the pain to surface. I was confusing self-avoidance with enlightenment. And I think the way that this is taught in many religions, not just about sexuality, but also food and video games, and you name it, like pretty much anything that our physical body enjoys, it's taught that you should avoid that part of yourself. You need to just not let those thoughts, not let those desires surface. And if you do, which another spoiler alert, it will because it's an important part of yourself that you're trying to exile. We think that's spirituality, but spirituality is not cutting parts of ourself away. Spirituality is embracing all parts of ourselves. True enlightenment is being able to see yourself and love yourself and love other people, not once their weaknesses are gone, but with their weaknesses or maybe even because of their weaknesses.
1: And as you talk about that, it makes me think of balance. I know we talked about this last night too, is that there has to be a balance. There needs to be a balance in our life. Whatever that is, is, I guess it depends on what that balance is because we have to find out what's healthy for us.
0: Well, I might even say that differently to say that there's not a spiritual side and a carnal side. It's just one side. There's just you and all of you. It's all an orb. All of you. Stuff. And let's include all the parts of yourself and not be like, I have to balance between all these parts, but I have to embrace and integrate all these parts. Integrate is a word that Jennifer Finlayson 5 uses a lot to integrate your sexuality into who you are rather than try to push it to the side. Food is another thing that's highly shamed. Like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this in the diet culture. Oh, yeah. But we think that if I never eat sugar again in my whole life, that means I'm good. Or if I eat only fruits and vegetables and healthy fats, lean meats, whatever, then I'm good. But if you are sitting over there, white-knuckling it, wishing so much you could have a piece of cake, wishing so much at that party that you could have um, whatever food that you, quote-unquote, aren't allowed to have... That's not healthy, in my opinion. I think that we are meant to experience pleasure through food. We are meant to enjoy the food that we eat. And if you love broccoli and kale and tomatoes, like, definitely embrace and enjoy eating those things.
1: Except peas and cherries. Those are bad for everybody. Uh, Gross.
0: Okay. <laughs> Okay, there's this class I was listening to yesterday by a nutritional psychologist, and she was saying somebody came in and was like, "Yeah, I know what you're gonna say. You're gonna make me eat kale and make me stop eating bacon." And she's like, "No, you can have bacon as long as it's not like three times a day. It's fine. Oh, you don't have to eat kale. There's plenty of other good things out there like that you enjoy. If you hate kale, by all means, like
1: don't eat kale. Don't
0: eat it. But it's that permission to be yourself, permission to say." Yeah, I'm going to have some cookies. I'm not going to eat 40 of them.
1: Right. And I think that's the important part is with the bacon, which would really be hard not to eat three times a day if it was available to you, is you got to have have some boundaries so you don't become too indulgent.
0: But I think once you accept and embrace the part of yourself that wants to eat bacon, then the desire for it actually goes down to a level that is actually okay for you.
1: So speaking of bacon, that reminds me of actually a good example from my own life I'd like to share with everyone. So Wendy's, the fast food chain, everyone knows Wendy's. Yeah, most of everyone's raising their hand. Um, They have a burger that's called the Baconator. came out years ago. And I've only eaten a Baconator twice in my life. I absolutely love the Baconator. But I know that if I I ate it every time I thought about a Baconator, I would weigh like 500 pounds. Probably. They're delicious. But I know that it's there. And I've chosen to put a boundary on myself. And it's been a lot easier for me. And I don't mm-hmm. feel shame in not eating a Baconator. And when I do eat one, I can say, look, I haven't had a Baconator. Last time I had one was probably a year and a half ago. And before that, it was probably like six years before that. And so I have, I feel no shame if I want to eat a Baconator, I'm going to eat a Baconator.
0: Right. But if you were like, oh my gosh, fast food is the worst. I should never, ever eat it. I think that would push you toward eating them more often rather than just being like, yeah, I had one and then I had another one and it was amazing and I enjoyed it so much and I have no shame for having eaten that. And also I've decided that for myself, I'm choosing not to have those very often.
1: Right, right. And I've done that. Uh, Same thing with root beer. I love root beer. Grew up with it. But I don't shame myself when I have it. And I have a root beer occasionally. And it's because I, yes, I know I like it and I haven't cut that out of my, out of my life. But I know that I need to be careful with it, and I have no problem doing that.
0: Right. There's, I, I feel like a much healthier way is saying there's no bad foods. There's not good foods and bad foods. There's not, like, good desires and bad desires. Now, hold
1: on. You said zingers and ding-dongs were bad or I just
0: told said that they were gross.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: Okay. I didn't say they were bad foods that nobody should ever eat. Although there are people out there who will say you should never, ever, ever eat those things. But, like, if you really like them and it fills you up emotionally if it you know hits the spot when you have a craving I think we are meant to experience all kinds of things I agree and when we try to cut ourselves off from that natural desire to experience a lot of different things that's when we get out of balance that's when those desires come out sideways and it ends up being like you know eating disorders you start
1: to get into the indulgent side of things or
0: pornography Or whatever the things are, I mean, again, pornography is a whole other concept and some people don't think it's bad at all. And I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people who are looking at pornography, who don't want to, who think that it's
1: bad, you know. Well, and I think sometimes it's what it does to you. If you could look at pornography and you knew it didn't do anything to you, then is it really bad? You Uh, you know uh, what I'm trying to say? I am not. I'm not making a shameless plug here for pornography because it does do bad things.
0: Well, and then there's the whole industry of pornography that is exploiting people and hurting people. And that's a whole other side that we're not going to get into here. But like, if you feel like looking at pornography is completely indulgent and wrong and sinful, but then you do it and then you shame yourself for doing it, you're keeping yourself stuck in this cycle of trying to exile a part of yourself. And that part of yourself is like, wait, don't forget about me. And then you do it again. It's the cycle that you go through. But if you're able to look at that part of yourself and say, what do you need? This is the premise of internal family systems. is that instead of trying to push that part away from yourself, you take it in and you say, hey, what's going on? Why are you doing this? What's the pattern that is set up that has you doing this behavior? And what is the need behind it? And how can we fulfill that need? Or how can we heal that part of your childhood that you were mistreated or whatever, whatever the thing is. And taking it in and being compassionate and loving Because here, even in the first chapter, he said, love is the answer. Love is the answer for yourself, to love all the different parts of yourself, and also in the wider world, to love all the different members of your family, of your community, of the world. That is the answer, and I fully believe that the more you love yourself, the easier it is to love other people. And it's not necessarily one and then the other, because they work on each other. Loving other people helps you love yourself more. Um, But when you have a part of yourself that you are shaming and trying to push away, when other people around you remind you of that part of yourself, you also will treat the other person the way that you treat yourself, that part of yourself. And that really struck me because like, I don't have a really good example of that. But I think if you think about it for yourself, you'll be able to recognize, oh, I treated this person that way. But really, it was a reflection of what's going on inside of me. And when you heal your relationship with yourself, you also are healing the relationships that you have with other people. And the whole point of this is to say that in cultural or religious or whatever, teachings or conditioning, we're often taught that you are who you are and you have bad parts about you. There are parts of you that you need to avoid. There's parts of you that you need to just get rid of. But those parts serve a purpose. The part of ourselves, like the ego, is one part of ourselves that gets a lot. kind of has a bad rap. It Gets a lot of
1: oh, well, because we've seen people that, that person has with it.
0: such a huge ego, or this person right. has whatever. But the ego, but is, they're out of
1: balance when they, when they yes. So the
0: people who have quote big egos, or who are rude to other people, or indulgent, or entitled. They just have an ego that is maybe shamed or is acting in a way to try to protect the self because that's what all the parts do. The parts are all there to protect the self. And if you had experiences as a child or even as an adult that one of the parts of you had to protect the self from, for example, abuse from a parent, then until you heal that part of yourself, that will react in a certain way with the intent to protect you. We need the natural man part of us because it keeps us alive. It keeps us comfortable in like, you know, the temperature of our homes, keeps us from like sleeping in 30 degree weather and dying from exposure. It keeps us from starving to death. You know, like the parts of ourselves have an important role to play. So these are important parts of ourselves. And if they have gone maladaptive because of experiences that you've had, trying to exile those parts. That's when it comes out in ways that we don't like. Because it will always come up because these parts are important parts of ourselves. We heal it, and then those parts can be used as they are intended to increase your life, to grow and learn and love other people and love yourself. So, in the book, just after the quote I read a minute ago, it says, One central message in the canonical story of the Buddha's awakening is that thoughts and desires are the primary obstacles to enlightenment. And I think it's actually the opposite. Our thoughts and desires are signals to us of something going wrong or something going right. There's a benefit to being able to step back from your thoughts and your feelings and say, I am not my thoughts. I am not my feelings. I am not my trauma to be able to step back and look at it as an observer and say, what's actually going on here? Whereas if you're in it and if you're like, oh, I'm a bad person because I had this thought or I'm a bad person because I had this feeling, you're just in it and you're shaming yourself and you can't step back and go, wait, actually, what is that desire about? Why do I have the desire to eat chocolate cake at 8 a.m.? You know, what part of me, is there something that's missing in my life? Is there some emotional thing that I'm trying to fill with chocolate cake? Or, you know, it's a signal. It's not a problem. It's not an obstacle to getting to where you want to be. Actually, the answer lies within what is the thoughts and what is the feelings. So instead of trying to ignore those things and push them out of your life, to actually embrace them and say, hey, what does this mean for me? And that's what internal family systems does. Mic drop. The end. So thanks for... uh,
1: Indulging in, us.
0: Enduring all the rambling in order to get to the part where I was saying what I was trying to say.
1: We appreciate everybody listening. If you need a dynamite coach, you can always get a hold of Andolin at andelinprice.com.
0: The first session is always free. It's really great to just get to know each other, understand each other's styles. I can explain to you more about what I do. And if you are like, nope, not for me, that's not a problem at all. There is no obligation to continue working with me, honestly. So, you know, but I just love getting to know people and hearing their stories and all of that. So if you're even the least bit curious, there is a link in the show notes where you can get a hold of me and we can just talk. That's all.
1: Yep. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. That was good. It was good. Well done, you two. You did (laughs) such a good job. Thanks. You know, we do a lot of homework and a lot of searching and we just do so well.
0: I'm enjoying this conversation you're having between the different parts of yourself. Keep, keep going. What does that part need? Does it feel like it's not listened to? Probably. How can we listen to that part of I itself? What does I that part of yourself need?
1: <laughs> oh Probably needs a zinger.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Sometimes people do need to eat disgusting foods. <laughs> it's not disgusting. Oh.
1: That's a wrap for this episode of the Marriage Bites Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend.
0: Do you feel like the fun and adventure you used to have has been crowded out by work, kids, and just life in general? I have put together 24 super fun date night ideas that will have you laughing and connecting in 20 minutes or less. So head over
1: to andalynprice.com to get a whole bunch of easy and free date ideas. You'll be amazed at how a little bit of play can have you laughing and connecting in no time.
0: Babysitter Not Required. Let me finish the book first real quick, and then we can actually have a reasonable conversation about this.
1: While she reads it, everybody talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> uh, here's a topic for you. Yom Kippur It's coming up on Monday. By the time this airs, it'll already be passed. And go.
0: You're such a weirdo. The part that um, has... I'm trying to say... Rather than to be, it, well, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit.
1: And I, I keep plugging her, and I, hopefully she's saying she said, her name wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Jennifer Finlayson, fin- five.
0: You say it funny, but that's okay.
1: It's my Washington accent. I'll tell you what. <laughs> no. You know what? Larynx, larynx. You know whatever. We
0: are not going to have that a conversation. Yeah. Right
1: potato, now. potato. Tomato, tomato.
0: I don't care about those. That's fine. I will yeah. say whatever you want. But
1: tomatoes are delicious. Um,
0: (laughs) Enough tangents. So I'm not shaming the use of pornography right now.
1: We'll do that later. (laughs) (laughs) No. Stand by.